Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's hold them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, amen. This morning I want to share with you on the subject, the way to heaven. The way to heaven. Praise God. It's good to know that we can know the way to heaven. Amen. We're going to begin reading by Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Here the apostle Paul speaking, and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto what? Salvation to everyone that believeth. Now notice, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That encompasses all the people groups of the world. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by what? By faith. Okay, so in Christianity, we believe there's only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, and there is no other. Do we believe that? But what about all the other 4,200 religions that are out there in the world that people practice every day? What about them? You've got Judaism. You've got Buddhism. You've got Hinduism. You've got Islam. You've got New Age. And then the list goes on and on. Is it wrong or unfair of us to think that Christianity is the only way? (laughs) Thank you for your answer. (laughs) Are we being narrow-minded? Well, Jesus said straight is the gate, narrow is the way, right? But religion is man's attempt to develop a relationship with God through his own efforts, through rituals and rules. But Christianity is God establishing a relationship with man through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and seating of Jesus at the right hand of the majesty on high. So religion is trying to get to God, man's efforts. But Christianity is God getting to man, revealing himself to us to show us how we can have this relationship. And that's why Paul the Apostle said, it's the gospel that saves the Jew and the Gentile, all people groups of the world. Well, then you get hit with the next question, but wait a minute. Aren't the Jews God's chosen people? And won't they all go to heaven because they're God's chosen people? You must be pretty well educated. (laughs) Well, let's just listen to what Jesus said. Look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 6, from the New Living Translation, and this is what it says right here. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And if you're not taught in the Jewish faith, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were two sects of, the, of Judaism. And 
the Pharisees had their thoughts and views and the Sadducees had their thoughts and views. But notice Jesus says, be aware. And what does yeast stand for? Anybody know what yeast stands for? Sin. Beware of the sin of the Pharisees. Well, what was the sin of the Pharisees? The Pharisees were self-righteous. They practiced formalism. And they exalted traditions of men above the scriptures and above the word of God. Jesus told them that they did that. And they made the word of God of none effect by doing so. Actually, the Pharisees, they buried the scriptures under tradition, but also they believed they were exempt from going to hell because they were the children of Abraham. But guess what Jesus told the Pharisees? <laughs> if you were the children of Abraham, you'd believe me, in me and you'd know me. He said, but because you were of your father, the devil. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say that. Jesus said that to the Pharisees. And then we take a trip over to the mindset of the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, they were a different sect, and they were free thinkers. They were skeptics. Their sin was skepticism. And because they were free thinkers and skeptics, you see, they relied more on logic and rational thinking and exalted that above the word of God. And listen to this. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels. And they didn't believe in spirits. So in other words, when you die, they're not even looking to heaven. Well, so if you and I were to follow that line of thinking, we'd be in trouble. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, beware of them. Because that's sin that they represent, don't follow it. Now, the Apostle Paul said the gospel is what saves all men, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. But is that narrow-mindedness? We're going to find out. But first we're going to talk about who is this Apostle Paul? What are his credentials? What are his qualifications? How can he tell us what's the right way and what's the wrong way? Or what's the only way? Well, let's first of all take a look at his credentials. Look in Philippians chapter 3. These are some of his credentials. You see, some might think that he was being anti-Semitic and practiced anti-Semitism because of what he's about to say. But before anyone thinks that, look at this. I was circumcised the eighth day. That means he was a Jew. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, whoa, whoa, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, you don't get more zealous than this, persecuting the church, touching, touching the righteousness which is in the law, dare anybody say that next word? Blameless, Paul? Ooh. But what things were gained to me, those I counted Loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung or manure, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So this was a 
Jewish convert. Now Paul was, you got to catch this, he was a Jewish, Greek-speaking Roman citizen. A Jewish, Greek-speaking Roman citizen who was converted from Judaism to Christianity on the Damascus road when he was going to kill Christians and stamp out Christianity. When Jesus appeared to him and showed himself alive to him, so he was converted. After his conversion, Jesus taught him the gospel and sent him to do what? Bear his name, number one, to the Gentiles, number two, to kings, and number three, to the children of Israel. That was his commission. And why was he fully equipped and qualified to do that? You know why? Because of his equipping with three, being equipped with three cultures. He understood the Jewish culture, obviously. He understood the Roman culture as well. And he also understood the, the Greek Hellenistic culture. And so you see, he was fully equipped to go and proclaim the gospel. And what Jesus taught him was this. Get yourself ready. Listen carefully. He knew that Judaism didn't save anyone. Judaism wasn't designed to save anyone. The purpose of Judaism wasn't to save anybody. Judaism had a threefold purpose. Number one, to reveal sin. Number two, to teach that a man can't save himself. And number three, to point to a Savior who one day would come and save both Jew and Gentile. Did you get that? Those three things. That was the purpose of Judaism. But you know as well as I do, he came to his own, and his own what? Received him not. Well, then you might say, well, then how can a Jewish person be saved? Good question, and here's how. You had to believe in the coming Messiah. You had to live like you believed in the coming Messiah. And then when you died, you couldn't go to heaven, which proves Judaism saves no one. It proves you would go to Abraham's bosom where you would be comforted and you would wait there until the one that can save you would come and do what he did and then open up the door and let you go to heaven. Can you see that? So Judaism didn't save anybody. It points them to the Savior. And the Savior came and suffered, and died, and rose again, and then brought everybody out of Abraham's bosom from the Old Testament saints that believed in the coming Messiah, and took them to heaven. So who saved them? Did Judaism save them? Did keeping the law save them? Who saved them? Jesus did. And look at the book of uh, Romans chapter 3 to verify that the law saves no one. Now, we know that what things soever the law says... It says to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin. It's the knowledge of sin. But the law justifies nobody in the sight of God. It only reveals the, the knowledge of sin. That's what it was intended to do. Now, Secondly, number one, he was qualified because obviously his Roman, Greek, uh, and Jewish cultures understood that. But then also, secondly, he was taught by Jesus. Jesus taught him the gospel. 
Jesus taught Paul the gospel. This supposedly Jewish individual who was so zealous that he was destroying the church has this conversion and now he leaves Judaism for Christianity to support the very work that he was trying to destroy. But who taught him this gospel? Look in the book of Galatians chapter 1. Jesus did. But I certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I neither received it of man neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to him, appeared to him, and revealed to him what happened from the cross to the throne. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Don't you love just how genuine the Bible is? He's not hiding anything that he did. And profited in the Jews' religion above my, many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. The Pharisees were what? They excelled in traditions, exalted above the scriptures. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. So if you can just picture this, after he saw Jesus on the Damascus road, he went into Arabia where Jesus took him aside for three years, taught him the gospel. And then he returned. Peter didn't teach him the gospel. John didn't teach him the gospel. James didn't teach him the gospel. None of them teach him, taught him the gospel. Jesus taught him the gospel. What better qualification do I need? Jesus taught him what he did. So now we see his credentials. Now we see his qualifications. Now what about his motive? Let's take a look at his motive. What motivated Paul to do what he did? To live how he lived from that point on. To sacrifice his life. To suffer what he suffered for Christ. Look at the Romans chapter 10. Brethren, here it is. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Doesn't sound like to me that Paul thought they had a free ticket into heaven. Does it to you? No. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. Did you hear that? Christ is the end of observing rituals, observing rules to try to be saved. He's the end of the law. The, the law found its end in Christ. He came to fulfill the law, did he not? He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the, the covenant. He fulfilled the priesthood. He fulfilled the feast days. He fulfilled it all. 
for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these, those things shall live by them. Who can keep the law? Nobody. And that's what it was to reveal that we can't. But someone kept the law for us. Aren't you glad that he did? So now notice this. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesseth to salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek or Gentile, for the same Lord over all is rich upon all that call upon him. For whosoever, Jew or Gentile, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of the Lord, which we sang about this morning, the wonderful name of Jesus. So Paul desired all the Israelites to be saved. But now notice, they rejected their Messiah even though 300 prophecies were fulfilled before their very eyes, they rejected their Messiah. Did they not? And who's holding them accountable? God's holding them accountable for their rejection of the Messiah. And because they rejected the Messiah, he said, your house will be left to you desolate. There is no more temple. There is no more priesthood. There is no more sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb, etc., etc. You're held accountable now. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But they caused their own blindness. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 19. They caused their own blindness by doing what? Shutting their eyes to the fact that he was the Messiah, even though they knew it. Even though they knew it. See, Judaism should have transitioned into Christianity. But they wouldn't have it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when he was come near and beheld the city, what did he do? He wept over it. Does that sound like it was something he wanted to have happen over Jerusalem? This is Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Saying, if you had known, even you, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto your peace, but now they are hid from your eyes, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, He's talking about the destruction of the temple. Why? Because you did not recognize the time of visitation when God who made you came to visit you. Can you see that? This is no small thing. We're not talking about something small here. God became a man. He came to his people people that he created out of Abraham and a nation that he rose up and a city that he loved and he said I'm going to bring a Messiah to save all of you. And they just kicked him out. He came into his own and his own received him not. He said, now you're blind because you closed your eyes. And now you can't see. You can't see. They caused their own blindness. But here's some trivia facts that might be interesting to all of us. 
There's no way that anyone's being anti-Semitic because let me tell you this. You realize the first church members in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ were all Jews. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 Jews got saved and they became the church with the 3,120 including Mary the mother of Jesus. You may not know this but Mary was a Pentecostal. I'm telling you. She was in the upper room. She spoke with other tongues when everybody else did. And she was a part of the early church, the 3,120. And then daily they added to the church such as should be saved. Okay, so that's one fact you might want to consider. All these Jews accepted Christ as their Messiah and they were saved. What about this fact? The New Testament was, I have in there in your notes, almost written by Jews. And the only reason I say mostly written by Jews is because there's only one little thought. But if you study it through, Luke, they're saying possibly was a Gentile. But then, let's just say all the evidence kind of favors that he wasn't, which would mean he's also a Jew. And if he's a Jew, then he wrote Luke and he wrote Acts, which would mean all the New Testament was written by Jews. By Jews. Then you've got the book of Hebrews, and what's the book Hebrews all about? Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Abraham. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's better than the temple. He's a better high priest. He's better than any priest that ever lived. And it showed this, that the old covenant, as long as it was still standing with the temple, with the veil, and all the priesthood, and all the sacrifices, as long as that was still in place, guess what? You can't approach God. But when that thing was ripped in two from top to bottom, praise God, and that thing was blown apart, it meant the Shekinah glory left, and Jesus was raised up from the dead. All that ended, and praise God, we've got a new covenant, a new high priest, his name is Jesus, and better blood that's on the altar of sacrifice that cleanses all humanity from their sin. So it teaches us that the old's been done away with, and we live in the new covenant Better promises in the new covenant that we have. So you see, Christianity means you can be saved. It's God's way of reaching man to save him, not man's way of reaching out to God to do something. God did it himself. Now, also, since A.D. 70, since A.D. 70, it's been impossible for the Jews to keep the old covenant. It requires a temple. It requires a blood sacrifice, a red heifer, and the list goes on and on. Don't we wonder why all these years God has never intervened to see to it that this would be back in place again? The reason why it's non-existent anymore, why? It was fulfilled. It did its duty. It did its job. It did its purpose. I can meddle right now, but I've got to control myself. When you watch some, I'm not going to control myself. When you... (laughs) When you watch some of these preachers on TV and they say, this is your window of opportunity because this is a Jewish feast day and on this day is when you're going to have the opportunity to get the greatest thing. The greatest that heaven gave was Jesus and he raised him from the dead and he fulfilled all of that. He's alive right now. The throne is open wide. Enter in and get all you want. As much of it as you want. You don't need a special day. That day came 2,000 years ago, praise God. So just get in there and get it. Is that a good way to say that? 
It's yours. It belongs to you now. You don't have to wait for a special day. I did it. All right. Look in the book of uh, Luke 24. Look at these scriptures. Judaism has been fulfilled. It fulfilled its purpose, its existence. Now God's not done with them, and we'll talk about that maybe, but it's a different subject. He said to them, this is Jesus speaking after his resurrection to his disciples, before he sends them over to Jerusalem where he's going to wait, they're going to wait for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said to them, these are the words which I spake to you while I was with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. That should be a prayer that we pray. Open my understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he and said to them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among only a few select people. Among whom? How many nations? The blood of Jesus was shed for every kindred tongue, people, the nation. Doesn't matter who, what, where, when, how, where you are, where you live, your ethnicity, your gender. It doesn't matter what your convictions are, your beliefs. The blood was shed. It's on the altar for all nations of the world. Beginning at Jerusalem. And that's where it started. And it spread out from there. Can you see that? Absolutely. Well, thank God the blood's on the altar. Paul's gospel. Let's take a look at Paul's gospel. Because you see, this is the way of salvation. And we're going to take you down the road to salvation. It's called the Roman road in just a moment. But this is Paul's gospel. Who taught Paul the gospel? Does anybody know the gospel better than Jesus? No. And was Paul not one who was going to destroy Christianity? Wasn't he one who thought he was doing God a favor as a Jewish individual to destroy and stamp out Christianity? And when Jesus appeared to him, what did he say to him? Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus, and it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Did Jesus not take it personal that he was trying to destroy Christianity? He sure did, and appeared to him and told him about it. Then raised him up and sent him out. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beloved, I highlight this in your scripture. Embrace it. Take, the, take it to heart. This is the way of salvation. This is the gospel for all people groups of the world. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel that I preach, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory that which I that what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Well, what is it, Paul? I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Who gave it to him? Jesus. Well, what did he, what did he receive? How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. 
or they've died. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God. Aren't you glad the grace of God is superior to our faults, our mistakes, our failures, our sins, our shortcomings? But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was with me no wonder he said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ I tried to kill him I tried to do everything I could to kill Christianity he appeared to me he's alive and I know he is I saw it my own two eyes and I know it and I'm going to proclaim it as loud as I can before the Gentiles before kings and all the children of Israel there's only one way of salvation. It's the Roman road. Are you ready for the Roman road? Have you got your sandals on? I wonder if they make Nike sandals back then. Air Jordans? Well, you know, the Bible is a very athletic book. Do you realize that? It talks about shadow boxing. It talks about wrestling. It talks about fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. It talks about archery. They shoot arrows all the time. <laughs> Talks about exercise that profits for a little while while you're in your body. But godliness is better, profits more, right? Fight the good fight of faith. It Talks about racing, running, and what about weightlifting? Drop those weights that easily beset you and put you down. <laughs> it's an athletic book. And that's why I believe those who are involved in, athle- in athletics, if they connect with that, oh, I'll tell you what, it gets them on fire. I mean it. But here it is. This is the Roman road. Number one, and you can follow this through in the book of Romans, and if you want to lead someone to Christ, doesn't matter if they're a Jew or a Gentile, number one, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody say it with me, everyone has sinned. See, we've all sinned, we've come short of the glory of God, every single one of us, doesn't matter who you are. Jew or Gentile alike, everybody is under sin. But then secondly, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, we know that by one man's sin, Death entered into the world, but disobedience, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that all sin. So death has passed upon all men. All men. Doesn't matter what your background is, what your religious tradition is, what, whatever your gender is, or your social status is. Death passed upon all men by one man's disobedience, and his name was Adam. Right? And then Romans 6.23, the, you know, that death, sin pays out? The wages of sin is death. That's eternal separation for all men. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Death has passed upon all men. And all men that have sinned then, the wages of sin, living for sin means death, which is eternal separation from God in a lake of fire forever. But then Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God, who commended his love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. What Adam did, Christ undid. He came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the powers of the devil, all the works of the devil. And so Jesus did that. So there's only one person. Not Confucius, not Buddha, not Allah, not Mohammed. You can go on and name them all. They did not die. They did not become sin for anyone. But Christ died on the cross for the world, the sin of the world. He was the only Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world period 
That's why we have to preach it and proclaim it. And what's the last one? Romans 10. We read it earlier, 8 through 10. What saith it? The word is near you, it's in your heart, your mouth, the word of faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believes the righteousness, with the mouth he confesses the salvation. Whosoever, Jew or Gentile, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Roman road, there's only one way to salvation. And we need to understand this and tell the world, praise God, his name is Jesus. And he's the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. Now, in conclusion, we're not going to read those scriptures, but the Jews weren't saved by the law. They're not saved because they're God's chosen people. But countless numbers of Jewish individuals have been saved by reading Isaiah 52, verse 13, through Isaiah 53, verse 12. And that's why there was a push to get Isaiah 53 out of the Torah. Because too many were getting saved when they read it. They were saved when they accepted Jesus as Messiah and his blood shed for their redemption and we call them Messianic Jews. And we thank God for that. As a matter of fact, are you provoking any Jewish person to jealousy? We should be. Isn't that what he said? That's, we're to provoke them to jealousy? They should see the joy, unspeakable, full of glory that we live in every single day of our lives. And they should say, man, what do you got? What do you have? And you tell them, you sure you want to know? Are you sure you want to know? Keep on baiting them. You know, why are you so excited? I'll tell you tomorrow. Then you come in tomorrow, you're even more excited. Oh my goodness, glory to God, I'm just so excited today. But it's 18 degrees outside and it's April. I know, but I've got this joy in me. Oh, what is it? I'll come back to work tomorrow, I'll tell you tomorrow. Oh, come on, tell me today. No, I'll tell you tomorrow. Why are you so excited? What is it about you? Jesus. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Jesus gives you a joy unspeakable and full of glory, praise God. you got the joy of the Lord that's in your heart. Amen. The most joyful people on the planet. So, they're saved by the blood of the Lamb, by grace. Through faith are they saved in the blood of the Lamb. And God is not done with the Jewish people just yet. We know there's something more to be done to fulfill, to carry out. And guess what? The last three feast days are going to be fulfilled. Well, the, the two, there's only two left to be fulfilled. Because the atonement has been fulfilled, but it's been fulfilled only in those that believe. But for the Jewish people, the Orthodox Jew, it hasn't been fulfilled yet. So they're, look, they're still waiting for a Messiah. We'll talk about that in just a second. But thanks be to God. When the rapture comes, the trumpet sounds. It's the high priest Jesus blows that trumpet. The graves will open. The dead and Christ will rise. And we're just going to take off into heaven. And then everything goes back to the Jewish people. Time of the Gentiles about to end. And then the Jewish people are going to now be dealt with by God. Okay? And then... After the seven year tribulation. And they see Jesus coming in the clouds. That's when they accept his atoning blood. Which we already did that. That's the day of atonement. The fall festival. Feast of tabernacles has already been fulfilled. As far as in us. But not fulfilled literally on the earth. And that's when he tabernacles on earth with men. And that will be fulfilled. When God once again lives on earth with man. So he'll deal with the Jewish people. As things are wrapped up. But right now. Every person that gets saved gets saved by the blood of Jesus, by grace through faith in the blood that was shed for their redemption, no matter who you are. Okay, next, and I want you to see this. And this is Gentiles aren't saved by Hinduism, Buddhism, 
Islam. It's not, they're not saved by New Age or even Judaism because Judaism doesn't save. But just in case there's anybody here today, you might want to have a little bit more understanding. I wrote this out so that you can see this. I'm, I'm, I, if you want a copy of it, I'll give it to you. But Hinduism. People say, it's so unfair for you to say. Um, can I throw a name out there and I'm not, without getting rocks thrown at me? Oprah Winfrey has decided that even though she was raised in the Baptist church, there are many ways now to God. Okay? Well, people don't even do a research to find out what they're talking about. Let me read to you the base, simple basics here. This is Hinduism. Hindus believe they're here on this earth because of past actions in a previous life. They suffer now if they suffer any pain, sorrow, tragedy, whatever, it's because of the evil they did in their previous life. The goal of Hinduism is to be free from the law of karma and the cycle of reincarnation and finally get to a place that you don't exist anymore. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yay. Let's sign up today. Wow. Well, if you like that one, Buddhism. There, there really is no God. They believe in countless rebirths. Rebirths over and over and over. And listen, and the goal of Buddhism is to purify the heart and let go of all of your sensual desires. No wonder they just sit there in that position and just look. get that pizza away from me it's true you want to know is there only one way you want to know what other religions believe they don't even believe in heaven so do you see where I'm coming from okay number three Islam Muslims believe that Allah created heaven, earth, and all things good and evil. There is no savior. You enter paradise or hell. Now they believe in paradise and hell, but you enter paradise or hell on the basis of your faithfulness to five religious duties and how faithful you've been. So in other words, it's up in the air as to whether or not you'll be in paradise or hell based on your obedience to those five religious duties. And you can look them up, but listen. You ready for this? If you die for Allah, you go straight to paradise. Hence, suicide bombers, walking bombs, and they actually believe if I do this for the cause, I go straight to paradise. So why take a chance? See the mentality behind it? Do you see that? And you've got to love this one. Oh my. New Agers. The New Agers believe self is the originator, controller, and God of all. That self supersedes all gods. There is no reality outside of what a person determines. So as God, a person creates his own reality. Hey, I'm God. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's real. No, that's not. 
Not to me. Maybe to you, but not to me. You're your own God, buddy. I would hate to think I'm God. She. Yeah, it would be funny, but it's really pathetic, isn't it? Because this is one of the top five religions of the world. That means there are millions and millions of people that believe this. You see why we got to preach louder? They'll be lost to eternity in the lake of fire. They don't even know it. And that brings us to Judaism. Now, I push for this, and please, all you that are looking for your Jewish roots, don't throw stones at me. Just listen to me, just for a moment, okay? Judaism was fulfilled. It fulfilled its purpose. If you want to talk about some of the feasts and some of the things that have happened in in Judaism to point to Christ, that's fine. Teach it. But that's it. Because listen what they say about themselves. It's a religion of waiting for Messiah to liberate the Jews and bring justice and stability to the earth. That's, That's their view. It's a religion in waiting. They're still waiting for a Messiah. They don't have one yet. They're waiting for him to come. Okay? But there's a second phase to that. Because there's a sect that also believe that the Messiah that's coming isn't really the Messiah. It's only a symbol. It's a symbol of a time when people will live in cooperation with each other on the earth. And they call that the Messianic era. Now we're talking Judaism. Some of them don't even believe in heaven. Can you see this? Now think about this. And we're getting criticized for saying there's only one way. Because there is only one way. There is no other way. Throw up Acts 4 and verse 12. I want us to see this with our eyeballs. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. What's that name? What's the name? Thank God that Judaism did its job. Thank God that it brought us to understand that we're sinners. Thank God that we know we can't save ourselves. But thank God we know that the Savior has come and he's risen and he's alive right now. And he satisfied the claims of justice and we all be free, delivered. And when we leave this realm of life, I'm not coming back as a frog or as a turtle or a snake. I'm, I'm not coming back at all. When I come back, I'm glorified with Jesus. I'm coming with him and the army of Almighty God. And I'm going to live and reign with him forever throughout eternity. I know that because I read the back of the book. Can you say amen? Amen. So is there salvation in any other? Are we being unrealistic? Are we being narrow-minded? No, we're being truthful, praise God. And he said, shout it from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the book of Revelation, when it talks about I saw him sitting on a throne, there's a book written inside, backside, so with seven seals. I saw a long, big, big, 
angel proclaimed with a loud voice, who's worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof? And John wept. There's nobody in heaven and earth or beneath the earth that was able to take the book or to look even on the book. But he said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And I beheld, and I saw in the midst of the throne a lamb as he had been slain, having seven eyes, seven horns, which are the spirits, seven spirits of God sent forth on all the earth. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he did, oh, they fell down before him, having harps and golden vows full odors. And they sang a new song saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain to take the book and loose the seals thereof. You redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. And you made us kings and priests before our God. And we shall reign with you in all of the earth. And I beheld the throne. I saw the angels. The number was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousand, a thousand, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb to receive blessing and honor and glory and power to him that sits on the throne of the Lamb forever. And the beast said, Amen. 420 said, Amen. Every creature in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth heard I saying, Blessing. Did you hear that? Every creature in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth, in all three worlds, in all three realms, bow and say, Blessing. doesn't matter what you practiced when you were on earth. You are not going to come back in a reincarnated state. You're not going to float around. You're not going to go back to the dust and cease to exist any longer. You're either going to be in the presence of God forever or separated from him in a place of suffering forever. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I feel like getting saved again. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) Baptize me again, Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory be to God. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.